Welcome to Business Masters, the podcast that gives you direct access to world-leading experts on key business issues. To be the first to know about future shows and to access even more exclusive content, visit businessblueprint.com and subscribe today. Hello, it's Dale Beaumont here, founder of Business Blueprint, and welcome to another Business Masters podcast. Today, I'm talking with the former general manager of Harvey Norman Computers and the current CEO of the Achievers Group. Tony Guattari, and our topic is the six principles of influencing your customers to buy. Tony, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Dale. How are you, my friend? I'm doing extremely well, and I'm looking forward to having a chat about what I know is one of your favorite subjects. So let's talk about influence. What is it, in your opinion, and and how does it relate to, uh, to marketing? Well, effectively, influence is predominantly the ability to persuade people. And we have to realize that marketing is about persuasion. It's about effectively getting people to effectively change their behavior. It's apparently obvious to me that, that not only is marketing about influence, but leadership is about influence. Teamwork is about influence. And sales is about influence. Because we're fundamentally dealing with human beings and effectively brilliant marketeers, brilliant leaders have to be profoundly gifted at emotional intelligence. And this is a real challenge in business because unfortunately many people get degrees which highlight their IQ but their EQ quotient is incredibly low. And you'll tend to find professions which are very scientific based tend to overemphasize IQ and they actually actually sort of deny EQ. And it's quite surprising that many of those businesses are appalling at marketing. And let's kind of uh, make the, uh, I suppose, the, draw the line between influence uh, and also manipulation as well. How do you kind of, uh, you know, walk that line and make sure you don't kind of uh, cross it? That's a really, really, really good question, Dale. Um, Dale. I think it's a really... It, 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 you've asked a really profound question because I really struggled with this, I must admit. I'm very reluctant about teaching a lot of these principles because I actually felt that they could actually be used for great harm in people. And I'm not convinced that I wanted to do that. But unfortunately, what happened is as my journey of discovery, I found out that many, many great leaders who did great good actually used exactly these same principles. So it came to me apparently obvious that the only difference between manipulation and persuasion is the intent of the person who is delivering it. Mm-hmm. And, and really, I'm not here to judge that. I'm not here to be anyone's moral police. But I think it's really important for us to understand what these principles are, not only so we can use them for good, but we can also defend ourselves for bad. Because we've all been ripped off, we've all had the proverbial con artist who has come to us and given us the best version of the truth. And what I found um, is that the greatest prosperity secret in the world is wisdom and people need to become incredibly more street smart. So I think um, those are some of the areas that I think are incredibly important. 
All right, now we're going to get into the details and we've got six to go through. We'll get to that in just a sec. Let's talk about these six principles of influence in a general sense. Um, once we understand them as a business owner, what will it do for us? Okay, what will it do for us? Well, I think the first thing that it will do more effectively than anything else, it will profoundly improve your conversion rates. See, so much of marketing is this overhyped activity of just make a brilliant website. Well, between you and me, Dale, that's bullshit. If, you, if the website doesn't convert, and if you're not a pure play and there is some human intervention, there is some skill, some form of activity where you need to actually get people over the line. So it's great having a fantastic lead generation strategy, but if you can't actually get to the agreement or close, you are still broke. So effectively, sales and marketing can never actually be isolated in a small business because they work together in total tandem. Okay, fantastic. Let's dive into number one. What's the number one principle for influencing customers to buy the number one influence is the principle of reciprocation. Now, what do you believe that I mean by reciprocation? You know, give something to someone and then they give something back to you. Why do you need to give me something back? <laughs> I suppose it's just a, uh, you know, a, a habit, really, that um, we've, we've... Is it a habit? Uh, it's just basically it's hardwired into to who we are. Um, yeah, we... It, it, it's effectively... It's the foundation of every moral code in every society. Yes. It is effectively a principle of morality, and that principle of morality is that if I give something to you, then I actually am indebted to give something back to you. Now, it is incredibly powerful because it addresses all cultures. And unfortunately, um, some people in the Western world, because I've, done, I've actually done business overseas, could consider this to be bribery, but it's actually not. It's very much a cultural perspective. Now, I'll give it a classic example of how it works. Any good car dealer um, will effectively, if they are really, really good at what they're doing, they would effectively ensure that on seeing you, that they would give you a cup of coffee, okay? Now, this is a humble cup of coffee that could cost you only 40 cents. The intention of that is to effectively kick in the law of reciprocation, which actually means that you potentially will buy a car because they've actually given you a cup of coffee. You feel indebted because the most amazing thing occurs. The reciprocation is not of equal value. So I think it's a very, very powerful strategy. It disturbs me occasionally when people have a poverty mentality. So can you, you mentioned the cup of coffee ex example, which is great, you know, 40 cents, $40,000. I, <laughs> I can totally see the benefits there. But what are some other examples? How oh, well, can we well, use this principle in our business? Well, well, Dale, you're a very astute marketer. You are probably one of the best marketing people in Australia. And you do it all the time because you offer a fantastic workshop at valued at how much? Uh, well, I know other people are charging $4,000 for just a one-day $4,000. Yeah. And occasionally you will give something a bonus, which is a high perceived value, and that is fantastic value. Yeah. And effectively, people then say, Dale is a great 
giver. So you give your time, your content, your passion, and then you receive. And I suspect it's probably blessed your business abundantly. Absolutely. It has, for sure. Look, I don't think a spirit of generosity can, can, can ever, ever, ever be reduced. It actually needs to be accelerated. Awesome. And what I've really defined about true entrepreneurs, I mean truly successful, they are always generous. They're generous in their time, their resources, their money, and effectively they continue to multiply because they work on that principle of generosity. All right, let's keep rolling. Let's talk about principle number two. What is it? Principle number two is commitment and consistency. Now, basically what it means, Dale, is that once people have made a decision or position on an issue, it's hard for them to back down. Now, I usually call this the discovery. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by this. If you can get your prospect to discover the answer, they have to fall in line with their views. It's called congruency. It is effectively people need to create congruency in their life to ensure that what they've discovered falls in line with their behavior. Now, what does this mean for marketeers? The benefit of true marketeers is not giving you the answer, allowing you to discover the answer. That would be the classic way. Now, one of the ways that we could do this, and we do this in our business, is that we actually allow people to educate themselves. They'll come into a workshop, and I know who they are because they are sometimes very doubtful business owners. Now, I know what's wrong with their business, but I dare not tell them. So what I do over the next two or three hours is I educate them, and in educating the penny drops because they discover it themselves, and then they go, Tony, that was amazing. I got a blinding flash of the obvious today. I've discovered what I need. Now I need to go and do it. See, that is the discovery. And we do this all the time because brilliant salespeople don't sell products. They solve problems. But what they do is they allow the prospect to articulate the problem. Okay, they, because the gift of selling is not the gift of the gap. It's the power of the question. If you go deep into the questions, you'll discover the most extraordinary things occur to improve your conversion rates. So that's what I talk about consistency, commitment and consistency. The other area of commitment and consistency is effectively a concept called low involvement, low commitment. Again, I'll use the example of gyms because I'm in a gym at the moment. Effectively, when you've got a very large transaction that you're trying to close, it may actually not be the right approach to try to close that large sale. The right approach might be to take a staged approach where you go to level one, then level two, then level three, then level four. It's effectively like you're putting the customer or prospect a bit like on scales and they're moving up one step at a time. Because ultimately, the greater the change, the less likelihood that they will be able to make that change. So the role of brilliant marketeers is to effectively 
reduce the pain of change and make change really easy, really comfortable and really appealing. And you can do that in stages. And we see this all the time in gym memberships. We see this all the time in trial programs. We see this in all the time in education workshops where they might start at a particular level and go up to the next level, then go up to the next level. And, and it's really important to um, have different levels. I'm a firm believer, and it's really amazing, of the principle of bronze, silver, gold. Because I want to ask you a question, Dale. Mm-hmm. If I said to you, which is better, emerald, sapphire, and platinum, which would you say would be the better product if I put those images behind those products? Ooh. <laughs> I'll just take a stab. I'm not very good at gemstones. I would have said diamonds, but that was on the list. So uh, let's go with sapphire. No, of those three. <laughs> sapphire. Sapphire. Okay. If you probably asked nine out of every 10 people, you would probably get a different answer from everybody. Sure. Now, if I ask the same question, which is better, bronze, silver, or gold, which would you say? Gold every time. Right. Here is the point that I'm making. If you want to actually go to a good, better, best philosophy, which actually leads to this commitment and consistency, I would strongly suggest, based on all my experience, go with the bronze, silver, and gold, because everybody knows what it means, because it's anchored predominantly in the greatest sporting event that occurs every four years, which is the Olympics. You'd be an idiot to mess around with it. Great. Let's move on to number three. You've shared some great points in number two, so I'm excited to hear. What's in number three? Social proof. Great. What's that? I don't believe you, Dale, <laughs> but I definitely believe what others say about you. Got it. Because you're a marketeer, and of course you're going to give me the best version of the truth. Who's actually going to put it on their website that, that really gives shit service? Who's going to say, I'm really bad at what I'm doing, and I just constantly, constantly underperform? You're not going to do that. It doesn't matter even if you're hopeless. You're still not going to put that on there. But the most amazing thing occurs is that I will actually believe what others say about you. Now, can I just give an observation on this? Because this is a really important observation. Don't go to rah-rah. Now, I share this example with you because I am a passionate book reader. I would probably read two business books a week. I'm a bit like a junkie on this stuff. It's like, you know, it's my gig. This is what I do. And, and I, I buy all my books on Amazon. Um, I don't go anywhere else. And I've also got Audible, which is effectively an Amazon company. And you know when I buy a book, Dale, you know how I judge whether I'm going to buy it? Not what the publisher says, because I reckon, you know, if you're in publishing, what are you going to say about the book? You're going to say it's pretty good. But I look at all the reviews, and I look at the stars, and I've noticed something. If I've actually got, they've all got five stars, and just say that it's a book and it's got all of them, every one of those testimonials has got five stars, which means five out of five, and they're all raving. How do you think I feel about that book, in your opinion? I think you'd feel like um, that you're, you're going to back a winner and that you'd feel comfortable in that purchase decision. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel that if I had somebody who said, I didn't like it, but I still had four that had five and one that had three, do you think that I would feel better about it? Because, I, because my philosophy now is that I'm not looking for perfection in ratings. I'm just looking for authenticity. Mm. I really hate people that just go rah, 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 rah. 
I much prefer authentic people who actually say, I read the book, but the book wasn't for me. It wasn't what I expected. I can dig that because then I think that's an authentic thing. Yeah, very true. Okay, what are some other ways in which we could use social proof in our business? Well, the most obvious way and and, and clearly is things like video testimonials. Mm -hmm. I think they're incredibly powerful because nothing is as powerful as the human emotion of kinesthetic Um, of the human emotion of auditory and of the human emotion of visual, which you can actually see and you can't see that in a written testimonial. Um, The other forms of social proof are unquestionably the social proof phenomena, things like Twitter, things like how many likes you've actually got, Um, how many people are following you, Um, what is your, how big is your tribe? And the size of your tribe depends on that positioning. Because fundamentally, we follow leaders. And when you take a leadership position, you are perceived to be an authority. So social proof reinforces your leadership position because many people want to follow the leader. So they establish who is the leader in this field. So I think that's uh, incredibly important. Let's talk about principle number four. Number four is liking. Now, it's a very simple philosophy here. If you want to be brilliant at marketing, if you want to be brilliant at sales, you actually have to be a likable personality. Mm -hmm. If you are not likable personality, you've actually got to learn how to actually become likable because we buy from people, Dale, we like or we like to be like, okay? And it is the most important quality of brilliant execution is the ability to be liked across all different segments of your customer profile. Because it's very easy to be liked by someone who is like you. Anybody can do that. The true gift is profoundly shifting gears to be liked by people that you genuinely would not associate with. And it's incredibly important to have this enormous ability to actually shift gears in terms of your personality style, your voice, the questions you ask, and the language that you use so people go, I like you, because you know what they say? You're a lot like me. We tend to like people who are like ourselves. So, Tony, let's now move on, and uh, let's talk about principle number five. Yeah, the principle number five of influence is use of authority. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by authority. Doctor knows best. See, we live in a certain society that we actually um, believe that people in authority have this enormous right to tell us what to do, a la policeman, a la lawyer, a la accountant, a la doctor. It would be examples of that. And fundamentally, I think it's really important if you want to be brilliant at marketing and selling that you actually develop authority. And there are certain ways that you could do that. First of all, I think you have to be a master of content. I really do believe one of the great aspects that I've seen in my business is to actually become an authority in your field. It means to go centimeters wide, kilometers deep. You know, a lot of people, they try to be a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Their their problem in their business is they're trying to do everything. And what you've really got to do is you've got to focus. Because when you focus, you actually become an authority. So that's the first thing. 
then I think from an online perspective, you have to be brilliant. And this is a real task. You do it, I do it. But effectively, you have to continue to write and post and do videos and do blogs about your area of expertise. Okay, And it's an ongoing process of actually redefining and reissuing your authority on a continuous basis. So that's the number two thing. The number three thing I think you could do is that, and, and we see this in the corporate world, and I see this all the time because I play in the corporate world, is that when people give me business cards, they occasionally have their degrees after them. You know what I'm talking about, those letters that appear after them. Now, you might say, well, that's vanity, Qatari. Well, yeah, it probably is, but it does actually reinforce authority, especially if you're in a specialized area. Mm. So if you have those degrees that reinforce it, you need to be proud and loud. All right, let's talk about principle number six, the final one that we're going to go through today. Yes, scarcity. Okay, great. Okay. Tell us what that's all about. Scarcity sells. Okay, example. Classic example, you're looking at this amazing car. Okay, you love this car, you negotiate with the car salesperson. The car salesperson may actually go into the sales manager's office to try to negotiate a better deal for you because you're thinking he's working for you, which he's really not. But he'll go in there anyway. It's called good cop, bad cop. He might come out, and there's a likelihood, Dale, and, you know, and I wouldn't even know the person, and he might come out and say, Dale, of that particular model, there is only four cars left. And he might say to them that three of them are on the eastern seaboard and one of them is in Perth. And not only that, Dale, there is a six-month waiting list. Now, if you've got something like that and you're very passionate about it, there is no doubt that that is actually going to move you to make a decision quickly because we are motivated by a fear of loss. Scarcity implements the fear of loss. It also signals popularity. It also signals it must be hot, so I must buy it because everyone else's bite. It also has the perception of creating an elitist style of product. I've seen people that effectively restrict their quantities in order to ensure that there is some sort of perception that this is not for everybody. This is for the best of the best. So you restrict your quantities in order to ensure scarcity and then to also in, in, incorporate what it would be considered to be a very elitist, uh, very um, highly regarded, not everybody can get it, um, ego sort of driven purchase that will actually work in your favor. And all I'm suggesting to the listeners um, in this podcast is that just imagine, Dale, um, that if you were able to effectively build your business or your marketing around reciprocation, commitment and consistency, social proof, the ability to be liked by everybody, having an authority in your profession, and the use of scarcity at appropriate times, how brilliant you would be at marketing and selling. Because I think in many cases, um, we always, you know, everyone's searching, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? I don't actually believe that's the right question. I think the key question in marketing is why do I do these things? Mm. And I think if you understood why 
you do things from these six principles of influence. All you then have to do really deep down is go and find out the tactics that make turn that why into a how. And that's what I do, and that's what you do, and that's what everyone who is really successful at being an entrepreneur and marketer is they understand the triggers that create yin behavior. And my only desire and my only wish and my only prayer is that the audience uses these things for good. Because, you know, you can use these things to manipulate people. There's no doubt. We've all been manipulated somehow. I have been manipulated. And all that I wanted to really allow the listeners to do is to use them to really further their business because their business is about helping people to solve problems. And persuasion is really getting people over the line to the position of yes. But also, I think it will also probably be useful to them to understand why they sometimes do things, why we do things in a rash, why we sometimes do things that we may actually regret later on. And it's by having the street smart of knowing what's going on. Because the best way to really understand and how to negotiate with a negotiator is understand the techniques that they're using and expose them to them in front of them. Because I am also a negotiator and I can't negotiate with someone who actually knows what I'm doing. Okay, so clearly I wanted to give the listeners a real good insight into the tips and techniques that would make you a master influencer. So let's just quickly recap what the six principles are. Number one is reciprocation. Number two is about commitment and consistency. Number three, social proof. Number four was liking. Number five was authority. And number six was scarcity. And I really would encourage people to make sure that you maybe, you know, write these on a card or a bit of paper. And then over the next week, you know, think about what are four or five things that you can do under each one of those in your business and then go about implementing them strategically. Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you as always. Thanks very much. You are such a cool guy, Dale. Thanks, Tony. For more information about Tony Guattari, please visit achieversgroup.com.au. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to another Business Masters podcast. To access more great content or to download your free business plan template, visit businessblueprint.com.